All right, as they're heading down to their seats, go ahead and open your Bibles to, to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, and I'll give them time to get down and uh, get to their seats there. Philippians chapter number 1 and 27. Boy, I, I, and having preached through, or going through rather, Revelation and just that chapter 4 where the scene just kind of unfolds in heaven and, uh, and having those, uh, all of those uh, people there before the throne and how the worship breaks out. Boy, what a, what a tremendous scene to envision. And uh, listen, we're, now we're kind of looking forward to it, uh, but someday, boy, we'll just be standing right there. And, and I tell you what, man, what a day uh, to be worshiping God around his throne. That is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal sight, a phenomenal uh, place to be. And, and as much as we try to describe and uh, understand that, uh, sometimes I, I really think we fail and, or fall short uh, on that end. And uh, boy, it, it's just going to be like anything that we cannot imagine or picture. Um, and so we are not going to go through the book of Revelation tonight. We have been going through the book of Revelation. We will, uh, I was going to say we'll pick that up next week, but we won't because we'll be having our uh, youth will be taking over our service. And, uh, and I'm excited about that, to be honest, and, uh, and having them have an opportunity. And, uh, and, and by the way, our, uh, we will have another message as well, all right? Uh, you're thinking, boy, our youth are going to be taking over. Man, uh, I know what youth do. Uh, they're going to get up and they're going to preach for five minutes and then we're all going to go home at 7.15 and, uh, or 6.15 and, and uh, man, that'll be great. We should have done that on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, but that's not how it's going to be, okay? Uh, we're we're, uh, we're going to actually, uh, there'll be another message as well. Uh, mystery speaker, I won't tell you, uh, but, uh, and it's not me, uh, but uh, it'll be good and, uh, and we'll have a great service and so I'm looking forward to that. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, again, that doesn't have anything to do with tonight. Striving together. Uh, as we think about our theme, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, uh, the Bible says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be in your house, gathered around your word. Father, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. And God, I'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. And Father, we certainly uh, thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we think about this verse, uh, our theme, uh, and we're thinking about striving together. Maybe you were here on Wednesday night, our, our, our theme accidentally got leaked a little bit on our slides, and, uh, and somebody came in and they said, oh, striving, strifing together, Baptists are good at that. And I thought, yeah, Baptists are good at that. Sadly, we're known for strifing 
together. Uh, and so I looked up that word strive, and I want to define it for you, lest there be any confusion. And so we're all on the same page about what we're talking about. Strive and the verb strive means to make efforts, to use exertions, to endeavor with earnestness, to labor hard. That is the first definition. All right, and that is what we're going with. All right, the second definition is not far removed from it, but it is not the direction we're going. It means to struggle in opposition, to be, con to be in contention or dispute. And so uh, we're not striving together like this. We're striving together, uh, working and laboring together. All right. So I want that to be very clear, uh, lest anybody be confused about our theme and uh, and think, boy, we're gonna uh, our theme. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be some we're gonna put on our boxing gloves for our theme. All right. No, no, that's not the objective. Uh, but striving, laboring. I like that word laboring or working together. And there's something about just working together with other people. Uh, there's something that, that is just good about, uh, as Brother Preston said, laboring together and seeing something accomplished that you cannot do by yourself. It requires a team. I, I, my daughter plays some sports, and, and I tell her all the time, you know, the sports, when you play on a team, there's no I in team. And it's not about you, but rather it's what about a group of people can accomplish working together. And listen, in a church, that's what we want. Uh, is a group of people laboring or striving, putting forth effort Together, And I want us to look at our text tonight as we think about this idea of striving together. Look at what it says there in verse number 27. He says this, Only let your conversation be, a, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And, uh, and so we're laboring, we're working, we're striving for Christ-likeness. And we look at that verse again. It says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And listen, uh, Jesus Christ saved us, and so our life should be changed and should be different. We should not remain the same. After salvation, hey, listen, our life ought to be made different. That's why Jesus Christ came to this world. Uh, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And listen, God desires to change our life. And we ought to be different after salvation. Uh, that's what God is aiming for. Uh, and that's what God wants in our life. And by the way, you cannot change yourself. It's not possible. If you're, if, uh, if you're lost uh, without, it doesn't matter if you're lost or saved. Uh, let me step back. At, you, you cannot change yourself whether you're lost or whether you're saved. It has to be the work of God in your life that changes you. I'll never forget I, uh, a good friend. He came and preached here, Brother Humberto Gomez, and I've known him for a long time. 
and he gave his testimony. I can't remember if he gave it here when he was here or not, but Brother Humberto Gomez uh, grew up and, and his dad passed away uh, when he was still a, a young child and, and his mom had to go out there. He's, as the name would indicate, he's from uh, Mexico. And his mom had to go out and get a job to support all her children. And I forget how many he had, but the, the, the crooks of the story is this, that him and his brothers got into a lot of trouble. And he landed himself in jail uh, on several occasions. And, and, and finally his mom uh, came to him and visited him in jail and said, Humberto, you have got to change your life. And Humberto Gomez said, Mom, I want to. I don't know how. And that's the truth of most people. Many people, they, we, sometimes they think, well, I can change, but they don't realize they cannot. You cannot change your life without Jesus Christ. Long story short is he got saved, praise the Lord, and God changed his life. Now he's a preacher of the gospel and has been for years. And I'm just saying that uh, there ought to be a change in our life. And so as we look at this, the Bible says, only let your conversation. Now, what does that word conversation mean? Uh, it means this. If you look it up in the dictionary, conversation means general course of manners, behavior, deportment, especially as it respects morals. And so conversation is not simply conversing between two people, but rather how we live our life and how we act on a daily basis. With that understanding, let's go back and read that first phrase again. He says, only let your conversation, think of it this way, your lifestyle or your deportment or your behavior be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And so listen, uh, we have got to live Christ-like in this world. That's what he's talking about. That's what he desires for us to be. Uh, we cannot live uh, worldly. And listen, by the way, a Christian, somebody that's saved, cannot live like the world and be happy about it. It's not possible. I didn't say you can't live like the world. Many Christians have proven that you can live like the world, but you cannot be comfortable and you cannot be happy doing that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of you will be pricking your heart, be telling you you're living wrong, will be, will be constantly convicting you. And on top of that, you can go to, well, we won't go there tonight, but you go there some other time and read Hebrews chapter 12 and listen, the Bible says that God chastens His children. He's not going to allow you to remain comfortable as a Christian and living in the world. And so I'm just telling you uh, that your life ought to be different. And so we can't live as worldly Christians, but we have to mind the things of God. Uh, listen, we, we understand this. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to have a job. I get that. You've got to pay your bills. I get that. I understand that. You have got to uh, maintain your family, take care of your wife, put clothes on your children, uh, feed your children. All I get that. That is reasonable. And there's balance. But listen, a lot of times, a lot of Christians, they get off balance and they're so focused on their worldly things and they're so focused on the new car and the big house and providing everything for their children that they get way off balance and they become more worldly minded than they are Christian minded. 
And there's a big difference between those two mindsets. They are diametrically opposed in the way that they stink, or the way that they think. And they do, well, the worldly does stink. But they think different. And so we ought to be different. And listen, we ought to, as the Bible says here, only let your conversation, that would be the way we live our life, be a godly lifestyle. Save your spot here in Philippians and go with me to Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2. All the T's are together, so Thessalonians, Timothy, and then Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. And I want you to see these verses as we look at them and, and, and think, hey, we ought to be laboring together in Christ-likeness. And, uh, and could you imagine the impact that, that the world could have if every Christian, I'm not just talking about Anchor Baptist Church, could you imagine if every Christian lived a Christ-like life every day? Man, what a difference. Because right now the world sees a whole lot of people who proclaim Christianity but live and act just like they do the rest of the week. And, and, and it's concerning. And, uh, and so listen, we ought to strive to live a godly life. Titus chapter number 2, look with me in verse number 11 and we'll start there. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. In other words, hey, it's being preached and it's being published and it's being broadcast to all men as it should be and it's available to all men. Verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good work. Verse number 12 is where I'm going to focus just for a moment as we think about laboring in Christ's likeness. And I want you to notice what it says there. He says, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Listen, you know where ungodliness comes from? It comes from within us. Within every person, we have a sin nature that goes against godliness. Listen, uh, to be honest with you, uh, sometimes my flesh does not want to get up and go to church. I have to wake it up. I say, I've got to get up and I've got to get ready. Uh, I, I have to be there to be at church. Uh, sometimes my flesh does not desire to get up and read the Word of God. I have to make it get up and I've got to focus on the Word of God. And I've got to spend time reading the Word of God. The Bible says, and uh, Jesus said rather in the Gospels, He said that, uh, that the things from without don't defile a man, but rather the things from within. I believe it's in Mark chapter 7 or Matthew chapter 7. It talks about uh, the heart that it's corrupt and from from within comes adulteries and lying and all of those things from within that's ungodliness and listen every day our flesh pulls against us to go the wrong direction and we need to as the bible says here deny ungodliness in our own life it's a requirement 
if we're going to live a godly life and if we're going to reach the world. Not only that, he doesn't just say denying ungodliness, but he says denying worldly lusts. Now, I've preached on this a lot, and, and, uh, and many times, listen, the world is, is excellent at marketing worldliness. And saying, well, it's not that bad. I, I'm, I'm amazed. Marketing intrigues me. I, I'm not a marketer, but it intrigues me. My dad taught me a long time ago, as he said, he said it's amazing if you watch a commercial uh, how they, they really, man, they, they tantalize you and, and, and in, invite you and say, man, you cannot live without this object, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what they're selling. Uh, that's the whole objective is they're going to tell you all of that. Listen, the world is going to constantly dangle in front of Christians and it does on a daily basis on billboards, in philosophy, on TV, on radio, in social media. Everywhere that you look, you are inundated with worldly philosophies that saying, come this way. It's not that bad. And they're constantly pulling against us. That's why God's word says here in Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 12, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Because he knows that, hey, the world is going to be out there and they're going to be putting it before us and we have to deny it. And then he goes on. He says, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. And I love this last phrase in this present world. Hey, listen, praise the Lord. God's word is just as relevant today as it was uh, um, uh, several hundred or thousand years ago when it was written. And I'm just telling you that, hey, God's word is still relevant. And he says that today in this present world that we can live a sober, righteous, godly life and we ought to. We're striving together to live a godly life. Deny ungodliness. Deny worldly lusts. And, and live soberly, righteously, and godly. Hey, listen, we, need, we have got to live like a Christian. We have got to live Christ-like seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You know what that comes up to? It comes to 7,000, nope, 8,760 hours a year. You say, well, that's, that's wonderful. I never knew how many hours a year. You know what most, maybe present company excluded, you know what many Christians do? They live two, maybe four hours a week for 52 weeks a year a godly life. You know what that comes out to? 208 hours. You know why we're not impacting the rest of the world? We're not even living, I don't even know the math, 208 over, if you're really good and fast with math, 208 over top of uh, uh, 8,760, we're not even scratching the surface 
as far as Christianity. Hey, listen, you know why the disciples turned the world upside down for Christ? It wasn't because of glossy, shiny tracks that they carried around in their pocket. It wasn't because they live streamed and, and, and put it out to the, window, to, the, to the world. It wasn't because they had a radio station or a TV broadcast. It was because they lived Christ every single day of their life. They lived Christ-like. And if we're going to reach the world, and if we're going to make a difference, hey, we have got to strive together in a Christ-like fashion. Our live stream is not going to reach the world. Our gospel tracks is not going to reach the world. Our missions giving is not going to reach the entire world. We have got to live godly lives to make an impact in the people that are around us. That's going to reach the world. We need to strive together. We need to labor in Christ's likeness. Philippians chapter two or chapter one and verse number twenty-seven. Back to our text. We need to labor in Christ's likeness. Not only do we need to labor in Christ's likeness, but listen, the Bible says here as we go down, He says, "Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs." Then He says this: that ye stand fast in one spirit with one. Mind. Not only must we labor in Christ's likeness that people would look at our lives and hear the gospel from us, but we must labor in church unity. It's, it's essential. Hey, it's so essential that the Apostle Paul wrote an entire chapter, uh, and I'm sure more than that, dealing with the topic in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, go there, we won't, spend, uh, we won't spend all night there, but I do want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want you to notice that Paul is talking about the body, and he's talking about the, uh, the way that the body works, and he's equating that to the local church. And look at what he says there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, back in Philippians, he says, stand fast in one spirit and in one mind. And that's kind of the idea here, that we would labor in church unity. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 6, notice this. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Hey, listen, there is a contrast of jobs. We don't all do the same job. Could you imagine if we all preached tonight and, and everyone was up here preaching at the same time because Lord knows we don't have time to get through everyone preaching tonight. And, and who's going to sit out there and listen and, and how confusing that would be. What a mess that would be. Uh, aren't you? I, I'm glad this morning that, praise the Lord, I, I, didn't, I didn't drive the van. I'm glad we had people who went out and drove the van, even tonight, went out and drove the van. I'm grateful that I'm not sitting in the nursery watching kids. I'm grateful that I'm not, I wasn't teaching Sunday school and, and some of the kids' things. And, and what I'm saying is that, listen, one person cannot do all of the jobs. It requires many individuals to come together and make that happen. The choir that sang tonight, man, that was a blessing. I enjoyed that. You know what that is? Many voices coming together for the same cause and singing for the honor and glory of God. What a blessing 
that we can have that. And there's a contrast of jobs. We don't all do the same job. Hey, listen, and while we're thinking about that contrast of jobs, uh, I put this down. Hey, stay in your lane. You know, it's easy. It is easy to criticize other people's jobs. You know what? When I, when I sit over here and, and, and I sit and I play the piano, which I don't, I'm sitting over here playing the piano. It's easy for me to criticize the sound guy. Man, he didn't turn me up. Man, he's made me squawk. This and that. I'm playing the piano. You know what? When I'm back here taking up the offering and I'm the usher, I, I say, man, uh, they really did, they didn't clean that corner. I see that. Man, they missed that cobweb over there. Uh, you know, it's easy to criticize from different places where you are. Uh, it's easy to throw stones at somebody else. But when you're the one that's leading, when you're the one that's in charge of doing those things, hey, listen, it's a rough place to be sometimes. To try and make the decisions, to try and do this and to do that. And when you're trying to teach a Sunday school class and, and all the kids, sudden, you know, two kids blow up and, and have a, a knockdown drag out fight in your class. You're saying, man, I didn't sign up for this. I thought I was just teaching kids the Bible. I didn't know I was going to have to be a referee. It's easy to criticize. Hey, listen, we need to be careful that, that we don't get so critical of other people and that we can, we can, we can work together and say, man, I, I really need to. If you see something wrong, you know what the best thing to do is? Pray for it. Say, well, you know, I pray that that works better. Because it's easy to sit in different places and say, well, there's a problem or there's a problem. But it's not easy to all pull together and say, well, that is a problem. I see the problem. I'm going to pray that the Lord gives that guy wisdom to fix that. I'm going to pray that that, that, that can be resolved or, or that situation can be fixed. And, and I'm going to ask God to be a part of it. I'm just saying there's a contrast of jobs. There's many different places to get involved. And there's many things that can be done. And listen, it's easy uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to, to stand and say, well, I, they're, they're not doing this or that. But hey, are we doing something? We need to be involved. I... I, I commandeered a rope for tonight. And I thought, I have a little illustration we can use. Brother Tannis, could you help me with this? I asked Brother Tannis to help me. And I didn't ask any little kids to help me. So I'm going to ask all the little kids to help me right now. If you're a little kid, come on up here. You can grab that. No, no, don't tie it around your neck. Please, 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 no. We're going to have a little tug of war right here. And I want all you kids over here, come on up here. Come on up here, Adeline. Come on up here, Christina. You're a teenager, but you know you're small in body and <laughs> small in frame. And Come on up here, Jason. We need your help. We definitely need your help. All right. Now, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to take this rope. I want you all to get in there, grab that rope. Here you go. You can move up a little bit. I'm not untangling all that. There you go. Just grab on there. Get in there. All right. Now we got everyone. Everyone. No, don't pull yet. Don't pull. Everyone got in. Everyone got in. All right. Good, good, good. Now. All right. Now. I was trying to think how to do this. Let's do this. Everyone who is wearing red, just kind of step back for a minute. Let go of your rope. Everyone who's wearing red. Good, good, good. Okay. You can step back. Uh, Aisley, just step back for a moment. All right, now, we just got two people here holding on. Now, you think, you think these, two little, these two girls can pull Brother Tannis? Oh, yeah. 
I, I don't think they can, okay? Now, to make matters worse, all right, you get, get, a, get, a, get a hold, get ready. Now, you guys pull just a little bit. Now, they didn't come dressed for this. Okay, now, as they're pulling, I want all you guys to criticize. Look at them girls. Look how they're, they're pulling like girls. My goodness. Who wears high heels to play tug of war? Well, good night. What were you thinking? You didn't come dressed for this. should have wore your sneakers. We crit, and we criticize. And, and what's happening? There's no progress being made. They're, 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 it's easy to stand here and to throw stones at those two who are, are pulling away and they're trying to accomplish something, but when we're just criticizing, we're really of no value or no, no help. I want you guys to grab the rope, all you that are wearing red, all you guys that were out, okay? Now, um, Sydney, why don't you come on this side of the rope? Can you duck under there? There we go, there we go. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, now... All of you that are, pulling, that are wearing red, if you're standing on this side of the rope, I want you to pull that away. If you're wearing red and you're, you're standing on that side of the rope, I want you to pull that away. And only Christine and Adeline are going to be pulling that, Adeline, pulling that away. I probably mispronounced your name both times. <laughs> All right, you got it? You understand? So you're pulling, Jason, you're pulling this way. Sydney, you're pulling this way. Aisley, you're pulling that way. Grace, you're pulling that way. All right, let's see if they, let's see if they can pull Brother Tannis this time. No. Oh, what is going on? Oh, my. Oh, hold it, hold it. We, I, I, we don't want no broken arms. Not tonight. You see what happens when, when they're not all pulling the same direction? No, they all got a hold of the rope. And they're all saying, well, I'm involved and I'm doing something, but the direction that they're pulling is not consistent with the whole of what they're trying to accomplish. And in the end, it caused some people to fall down. And it's going to cause some problems and it's going to cause some, and they're not going to accomplish anything. Now, we turn all these kids loose and let them pull. I think they probably can outpull Brother Tannis. And if not, I might jump in and help them. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Get a good hold. And give it, let's see if you can play tug of war. Now, don't fall back on any pews over there, all right? And, and, and go ahead and give them a pull. Oh, yeah, look at that. See what happens? That's good, that's good, that's good. Good job, guys. See what happens when you work together. Hey, we've got a labor church together in unity. Good job, guys. You can go seated. Thank you so much for your help. When you, they did a good job. When you labor together, when you work together, you can accomplish something that one person and even two people cannot do together. When, when you're not standing there and, and just, even if they were cheering them on, not criticizing them, even if they were saying, you got this, and they were trying to encourage them and help them, they still wouldn't have got it done. Because just that encouragement was not enough. And even getting involved, but then pulling in the wrong direction or, or not going uh, the way that everyone else is going is causing a problem. And listen, when they all got together and they all pulled, even though they were smaller and even though they weren't as strong as Brother Tannis, hey, listen, what I'm saying is when we all get involved and we're all busy trying to pull in the same direction so that we can accomplish something for the Lord Jesus, Christ, hey, great things can be accomplished when we work together. 
back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, uh, just note these three verses. Verse number 11, he says this, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Verse number 14, But the body is not one member, but many. Verse number 20, How are they... Uh, but now are they many members, yet but one body. Listen, laboring together, we can accomplish things. The van drivers go out and they bring uh, those boys and girls to come to church and the Sunday school teacher will teach and then we'll try and get them to go to camp and maybe a camp counselor will lead them to the Lord. But listen, it's the involvement of every person that has sent a text, every person that has visited, every person that has taught them in their class, every person that has taken upon themselves to help with that child and get that child the church and see them saved. It is a group effort. And then we're working together to see those things accomplished. Hey, from every aspect of it. And listen, the, we see the, uh, the contrast of jobs. We see the common goal that can be accomplished when everyone is working together. And I want you to notice this, that these are consequences of walking in the Spirit. You don't have to go there for sake of time, but Galatians chapter number 5 and verses 22 and 23 mentions the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, in our church, we have got to have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Hey, in a church, if we're walking in the Spirit, and I'm walking in the Spirit, and you're walking in the Spirit, we'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. We'll have these things amongst each other. That means we may not all agree on everything, but we'll, we'll work together. Though, though I think, well, he should have been standing on that side of the rope when he was pulling. Fine, we'll just let it go. We'll allow a little bit of long-suffering to enter in as long as we're all pulling the same direction and trying to accomplish something for the honor and glory of of God. Hey, we've got to work together. And I'm not, you understand what I'm saying. You know who I am. I'm not saying we just whitewash sin and allow wickedness. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm saying, hey, give a little grace sometimes to people as we labor. And that comes as a result of us walking in the Spirit. Hey, laboring in church unity, laboring in Christ-likeness. Not only that, but back in our text in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, notice this at the end of the part. He says, well, in the beginning he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Then he says a little bit later on, he says... Um, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen, laboring, not only in Christ-likeness, not only laboring in, uh, in the, the church unity, but also laboring in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's our goal of our church. I've preached that. I will continue to preach that. That is, that is what we want. The very first and foremost thing is evangelize the lost. Listen, if we fail at this as a church, you know what will happen? I've watched, I've seen it happen in churches. 
Now, I'm not trying to be unkind by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want it for our church. They get older. And as they get older, they, they're, they're not evangelizing. They're not reaching the lost. They're not out uh, giving out tracts and knocking on doors and canvassing in the community. And they're not doing anything for the gospel's sake. And as they continue to get older, they get older and it gets smaller and they get older and they get smaller. And eventually they fold and close their doors, sell their property, donate their missions to money, and they're done. And I'm not trying to be unkind. I've seen it happen to churches. I've, as a missionary, I've watched churches close their doors. I can tell you, church after church, I can name them. I can tell you where they're located, where they were located. And they close their doors because they fail to evangelize. Hey, listen, our first and foremost purpose is to evangelize the lost Secondly, and it cannot be far from that, laboring in a communicate the gospel. Not only are we to evangelize the lost, but we are to educate and edify the believers. That's just as important. And it cannot be neglected. We have got to disciple. We have got to train. We have got to teach people after they get saved. You know what a church looks like that only preaches and teaches soul winning and only preaches and teaches evangelistic meetings? They have a whole bunch of baby Christians who want to go out and reach the lost. And I, I, I applaud that effort, but there's no growth. There's no spirituality in the church. You end up with a church like Corinth that has problems after problems after problems. And when people come in, man, they bounce in, they get saved, and they bounce out. They're like, man, I, that place was a mess. We have got to edify. We've got to educate believers. Hey, listen, godly saints of God, I, I love the faithfulness of our people that have been in our church for years. And they're just wise. They've been around. They know the book. I thank God for that. We need you. We can't, we can't have a church of baby Christians. Uh, man, could you imagine if we threw all the, uh, we don't have very many kids in the nursery, but could you imagine if we just turned them loose in the nursery by themselves? Mama mia. All the moms are saying, not my kid. Not going in that nursery. We won't do that, okay? But could you, what, what kind of a scene would that be? It'd be a disaster. That's what a church looks like that has no grounding and, and no education and no edification and no maturity in its Christianity. And all they do is soul win and, 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 and that's it. And there's no growth. We have got to educate people and we've got to learn and we've got to grow. Hey, we have to evangelize the lost that cannot be set aside. We have got to educate and edify the saved. And then lastly, I want you to notice this about late and communicating the gospel that we have got to exalt the Lord. If our church becomes prideful because we're reaching the lost or because we're educating uh, the newly saved and it all becomes about us, but if we got a real problem and you're going to have the exact, you're going to have another problem of a church. 
hey, we have got to do it as I preach this morning, striving to love the Lord. We have got to do it because we love the Lord. We've got to do it because we want him to be exalted and honored and glorified in everything that we do in this church. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. What a great verse. I went to camp as a kid. I love camp. I I think kids should go to camp. I think, man, get them away from the world. Get them under the preaching of the word of God. And and God does something in the life of young people. I remember I went to camp and and, uh, as I was at camp, uh, we we had a verse of the day. And every meal before we ate, uh, we had to say in unison that verse. And we'd say it out loud. And, uh, and, and we had one verse all day long, and we'd learn that verse. And, and every time, they had a pool time, and every time we went to the pool, they had a verse for the pool time. And I thought, a verse for pool time, that's crazy. You know what it was? 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And as a young person, I thought, if I'm swimming... I need to be swimming to the glory of God. You say, preacher, how, how can you swim to the glory of God? Listen, you have a pure mind, pure thought. We, we swam, let me clarify this for those who don't know, we swam, the boys had a swim time and the girls had a swim time. We had separate swim times. But still, we, we wanted, you know what? You don't get mad at somebody else because they jump in the pool and splash you. You, 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 you be kind one to another. Uh, you glorify God in everything that you can do. And I learned as a young person that even if I'm swimming, even if I'm playing sports, even if I'm doing anything, and it's not wrong to do those things, but we do them to his honor and his glory. That means we're mindful of him in everything that we do. And we're, we're aware that he is there and that we would point our honor and glory to God. Listen, if you run the sound, run it for God's honor. If you watch the kids in the nursery, watch them for God's honor. If you run the vans, run them for God's honor and glory. If you teach in a Sunday school class, teach for God's honor and glory. If you witness to other people, witness for God's honor and for God's glory. If you give offerings, give offerings for God's honor and for God's glory. If you sing, sing for God's honor and for God's glory. If you greet people at the doors, greet people for God's honor and for God's God's glory. If you usher and take up the offering, hey, usher uh, for God's honor and for God's glory. If you sweep the carpets in the church and you clean up uh, the, the bathrooms or the windows, then do so for the honor and glory of God. And if you do whatever you do in the church and in the ministry, hey, it ought to be done so that we can say we want God to be honored and glorified. I'm not looking to honor myself. I'm not looking to move myself up a position. I'm not looking to be noticed by everyone else, but I want God to be honored and glorified. Listen, if we labor for a Christ-like spirit, if we labor in a common goal and common purpose of reaching the world with with the gospel, if we labor in communicating the gospel, hey, listen, for God's honor and God's glory, God will grow his church.
And it'll come at His time and at His pace. And we'll, we'll say, hey, praise the Lord for everything that's said and done. We want to strive together with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Striving together. Striving together, laboring in Christ-likeness, laboring in church unity, laboring in communicating the gospel. Father, I thank you for our, our purpose as a church. God, truly, we have a purpose. We have something to live for and do. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. Help us to, God, live our lives for your honor, for your glory. Help us to function in the church for your honor and for your glory. And God, yes, we desire to see souls saved. Yes, we desire to see believers edified and educated in the word of God. And God, we ultimately desire that you would be exalted. And Father, I pray that you would help us in 2023 to strive together for these purposes. God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, we'll have a short hymn of invitation. Striving together, laboring in Christ-likeness, laboring in church unity, laboring in communicating the gospel to the lost and dying world.